Well, thank you, Bob. And God's Word is so very good. Let's, let's pray as we prepare our hearts just to dive into today's message. Father, we come before you and we just echo back to you the truths which you have revealed to us, those which have just been laid before us, God. Your justice, your righteousness is beyond us. We thank you for, for your goodness and for your creation, God. You not only have made it all, Lord, you sustain all things by the word of your power. And here we are, God, your people this morning, just saying thank you. Lord, would you, as we turn our attention now to your holy scripture, Lord, would you guard us from error and would you guide us in truth? We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, one of our highest values as a church here at Friendship Community Church and one of my most consistent heartfelt prayers for for us all at FCC is for wholehearted alignment. Would you say that after me? Wholehearted alignment. It's a big deal. Wholehearted alignment to, to Jesus and to his kingdom. You know, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he fielded a pretty hardball question uh, from one of the religious leaders, an expert in the law, cornered him in Matthew chapter 22. It's a very familiar passage, perhaps you've heard it before, Matthew 22, verses 36 to 38. The teacher, seeking to trap Jesus, asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That's a big old question. Of all of the law, of everything that's come before Jesus, what's the most important thing? Without flinching, Jesus responds. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all. Oh yeah, some of you know it. With with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This, Jesus tells us, is the great and first commandment. So what was his point? I think at least part of his point was that God does not want a part. God doesn't want a percentage of your life. The kind of following that God desires is wholehearted. He's after wholehearted alignment. So, the question for us is the people of God, saved by grace through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, is how do we get there? How do we arrive at this place? I mean, the bar's pretty high, would you agree? All your heart, all your soul, all your, all your mind. Well, I think we've got to begin, if that's our goal, by building our lives upon God's Word. God has graciously revealed to us in Scripture who He is and how He desires us as His people to live. So if we're after wholehearted alignment like Jesus prompts us to be, then we want the entirety of our lives as the people of Christ to be shaped by Scripture, shaped by the truths that He identifies for us that we're to grow up and into every facet, every corner, every single area of our lives shaped by Scripture. Which is why, after significant time and prayer and discussion, the elders here at Friendship Community Church have asked me to share some of the biblical convictions that we've come to on a very significant aspect of our corporate worship. As we come together week in and week out, 
And that area is this. Our singing. Our singing. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but this is, this is a very big deal. Think of every single time God's people gather, the priority which is placed upon music. It's not a coincidence. It's, it's purposeful, and it's purposeful because we see it writ large throughout the pages of Scripture for us. And, and sadly, I mean, if we're just telling it like it is, there are precious few things that seem to divide a church faster than what and how it sings. In fact, this is the stuff that church splits are often made of. It can be a veritable powder keg of division. And on a human level, just think about it for a minute, on a human level, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, in any congregation, there's going to be a wide array of musical preferences and expressions that are represented. And that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, consider for a moment your own personal playlist. If we were to hack into your phone or whatever device you use to, to play music, we would hear a veritable smorgasbord of different styles and genres of music that are represented. So let's just try this for a moment. A little informal poll. Uh, how many of you here would say you appreciate a good country song? Any, any country music listeners here? Okay, good. You're saved. Uh, no, just, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. I like country too. It's grown on me since my days growing up in New York. How about rock? Can, any rock and roll fans? Some rock, classic rock even? We got some of those classic rock fans. Hip hop. Ooh. Okay. I see you, Dalton. That's good. Any, any rap fans? Anybody like listening to rap? Okay. I, I, the hands are getting lower and lower. Nick Consoli in the back. Yes, sir. I see that hand. Now, some of you here are cut from a more traditional cloth. How many here appreciate classical music? You can listen to a, a good classical song. Yeah, that's good. That's good. As it translates to church, some of those people with a, with a penchant for the traditional often find themselves gravitating toward appreciating the hymns. How many of you love singing hymns here at church? Yeah, we're a, a hymn-singing church, and we love that. That's a, that's a good thing. Some of you here have a more particular taste honed in toward gospel-style music, like southern gospel. I'm talking Gaithers. Any southern gospel fans here? Yeah? Okay, a lot of those. I, I, had, a, I had a feeling. And I even personally know a few of you here who are hardcore metalheads. It's, it's true. <laughs> I got, got you, Bob. I see you, Bob. Listen, listen, I want you to hear me. This variety is good. It's right. The church of Jesus Christ is intended to be a multi-generational, multicultural body. Every tribe and language and nation and tongue saved and brought under the Lordship of Jesus, singing His praises in different language and styles and genres. It's a, it's a good thing that you all, even, even in our little pocket of the body of Christ here in the valley, off the corner of Weirik and the road, have have a tremendous diversity in the music that we lean into or, or not. I mean, if we're going to be really honest, you'll probably admit that even in your family, you can't agree on the musical style or preference that should always be played. 
How many squabbles have taken place in your car over the music that's being played? How many parents have told their kids to turn it down or turn it off entirely? Side point, this is actually one of the ways that I can feel myself getting a little older. I've actually had some experiences lately where I'm hearing some new music uh, as I'm driving down the road, and I'll say to myself, you call that music? And then I say, oh no, <laughs> I've arrived, right? I'm getting, I'm getting old, right? I'm seeing it in my beard, and I'm becoming a curmudgeon. It comes naturally. Anyway, here, here's the deal. What, what, why, what's the point of me polling you for your music preferences? The point is this. The music that we sing at church as the people of God, should not, listen now, should not be shaped by personal preference. It should be shaped by biblical priorities. Not shaped. The music we sing when we're here isn't primarily to please you and your stylistic bent. What we're trying to do here is sing truth. Glorify the truth of God as defined by the Holy Spirit in the pages of Holy Scripture. So, sure, you are entitled to your personal preferences. I I hope you just heard me say it's a good thing that you have them. But when your preferences, listen now, when your preferences, friend, get in the way of worshiping as God's Word has prescribed, you're out of bounds. You are. You are out of line. So, here's the question that we, as a family of faith, are going to be working through and asking over and over and over again through the next few weeks this summer. The question is this, how does Scripture shape our singing? Isn't that a good question? How does God's Word, how does Scripture shape the singing that we do when the body of Christ gathers together. This week, we're going to be looking at why. Why we sing. Why why do we do this? I mean, there's a lot of things that God's people could do as they gather together week in and week out. If you were to tally up all of the minutes, all of the songs that we spent singing a year, you'd find that we we place a very high priority upon music. Why is this such a big deal? That's, th- that's this week. Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about the heat of the controversy. That's really where, the, where, where things start getting dicey, and that's how we sing. Here's the question. Does Scripture have anything to say to you and to me about how our music, our praise, should be implemented on a Sunday morning? I'm going to submit to you the answer to that is yes. It's got a whole lot to see, say about the how of our singing. And then we're going to take some time after a, a guest speaker. Actually, I'm, I'm so geeked out. In a couple weeks, we're going to be hosting uh, a missionary from Dubai. His name is Nissen. More about that next week. Uh, but, but after he's here, we're going to take a few more weeks to look at specific songs in Scripture, categories of songs that Scripture gives us to see what we can learn, how we can grow as followers of Jesus as we see what Scripture directly has to say about songs you do know don't you that the longest book in the bible is a song book called psalms so let's let's make sure that this dimension of how we follow jesus too falls under his lordship and under his direction in scripture that's our that's our plan here for the next few weeks together so let's start today with the why why do we even need to be talking about this why is it such 
a big deal? Well, let's lead out with the basics. In the first place, if you're taking notes, this is what you can write down. Here, here's the first reason that singing is a big deal. One, God commands it. God commands us to do it. And that, that is the right word. God commands the praises of his people. Almighty God, your maker and your redeemer, doesn't merely suggest. It's not just that he, he offers you a biblical option to exhort his name in song, although there is plenty of examples throughout Scripture of, of exhorting one another to, to sing. The command from God to his people to sing is an imperative. And it's a, it's a consistent one. What I, what I want you to see then is, if this is true, if we see a commandment in Scripture to, to the people of God to sing, then take the next little step with me. To fail to do what God has commanded is called what? Yeah, that's called sin. To live a songless praiseless life is more so than just sort of a, a miss. No, no, biblically speaking, this is actually a sin. And we were talking about this in preparation for the message. And Benjamin, our, our associate pastor, said, you know what we should call this series? We should call it Sing or Sin. <laughs> I kind of chuckled. That's that cute, right? Um, but, but we were looking at getting at more than just like a, a straight-up rebuke uh, in the heart of this sermon series. So although I think he's right, we do see this as a commandment from God in Scripture. We need to take God's commands seriously. So before we move on to the next point, and there is a next point, I want you to really feel the weight of, of this. God's command to his people to praise his name in song. If God commanded us to do something once, would that be enough? Absolutely. If, if the sovereign potentate of heaven and earth commands it once, that's enough. But listen now, there are over, I'm going to give you the number, there are over 50, five, zero direct commands in Scripture for the people of God to sing. Now, we're not going to hit all 50 here this morning. Some of you like lunch entirely too much, but let me give you just a, a quick sampling of these singing commands. The first one, Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord. That's a command, by the way, a, a biblical imperative. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Do it. Tell of his salvation from day to day. We read in Psalm 149, verse 1, and, and because we're not camping out in a particular part of Scripture, I, I'm putting these things up on the screen. If you want to jot down some references, hopefully that's a help to you. Uh, Psalm 149, verse 1, another example of a command. Praise the Lord. That's an imperative to the people of God. Seems pretty straightforward, right? There's not a, a lot of fuzziness there in that command. Do it, those of you who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Praise Him. Sing to the Lord a new song. Now that new part is interesting, but we'll get there next week. Where? Where should we do it? Where should we sing? Keep reading. His praise 
in the assembly of the godly. Now, where's that? Here you are. Why do we sing? Well, because there's an exhortation from God. There's a commandment from Him to do it and to do it in the assembly of the upright. It is good. It's fitting. It is right for you. People, destined for hell, but because of the cross, because of the resurrection of Jesus, freed forever to gather together and to exalt the goodness of our Savior and to do that together through song. We see it again and again and again. These are just two examples of 50. I'm, I'm going to give you one more. This one's, this one's so good. Actually, uh, now I won't ask you to turn yet because I got, I got something I want you to flip to later. Ephesians 5. You can jot this one down. I'm going to read to you um, a few statements here from God's Word. Ephesians, a, a book written by the Apostle Paul under the direction of God the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that Paul is charging the New Testament church to live out the gospel at the very end of his letter is is this way. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, so how, how do we do that? How do we walk as wise, not unwise? How do we understand what the way of the Lord is and walk in it? Let's keep reading. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but contrast that with being drunk and controlled by a substance. Be filled, literally the word there is drunk, be controlled by, filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. Listen now, addressing one another. Here's how you're to address one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Him. So so according to Paul, the Apostle, guided by the Holy Spirit, what's one way that the new covenant people of God are to conduct themselves, to live out the gospel. Well, you're, you're to sing. Sing all kinds of stuff. Psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That's one gospel application for your salvation and mine in Christ. So on one level, here's what I'm trying to tell you. On one level, this issue, this music issue, this singing issue is an obedience issue. Perhaps some of us need to hear that afresh. Because there's some of you, man, you just got a song in your heart. I got a daughter like that. Right? I mean, any opportunity to sing, or even when one does not exist, she's going to create one, right? She just wakes up singing. Some of us are a little bit more like Eeyore, right? We, we, we may not be wired in quite the same way. That's okay, but even if it doesn't come quite as naturally to you, follower of Jesus, I want you to hear me say, part of you growing up into the image and likeness of Jesus, part of you obeying who he's called you to be is to, to take ground in this area. We are commanded over and over and over again. Sing when you understand the goodness of God and who he is 
He calls us to obey Him through this act of praise. Let's be obedient to God by praising His name. Here's, here's the second thing. We're going to keep moving. And, and as we do, I just want to give, you, uh, give a quick shout-out rather to, uh, to this little book, this tiny little book. There's somebody here who will be surprised that I do read occasionally. Uh, he knows who he is. Uh, but Keith and Kristen Getty... Uh, some of you may recognize that name, have been profoundly helpful to the church today. They're Irish, right? So they've got a particular bent or style, uh, and they're not only singers uh, and, and Christian musicians, but they're songwriters, and they've been so very helpful to the church. They're, they're actually modern-day hymn writers. That's sort of home base for them, and they've written this little book called Sing. This is really helpful, by the way, if you want to be digging into this topic a little bit more. Sing, uh, and some of the language here uh, that I'm using comes to directly from it, and I think has been shaped by Scripture. So, so very helpful here. And, and the Gettys remind us that another thing that God's, uh, God calls His people to do, another reason why singing is such a big deal is this. We are compelled to sing because of the worth and the goodness of God. For, if, if first off, we're commanded to sing. It's an obedience issue. I mean, that's a big deal in and of its own. Here's the second point. Not only are you commanded to do it, but friend, you're compelled, or you should be compelled to sing to the Lord because He is worthy of your singing. He is good. He, he deserves it. Now, we spent a little bit time already in Psalm 96 today. Bob led us in reading the whole song a moment ago. We looked at uh, verse 2. Uh, it was part of the, uh, the Psalms which contain a commandment for God's people to sing. But I'd like you just to turn there for a minute. Just take, take a moment, turn or, or scroll, flip, flip in your online Bible to Psalm 62. I need you to see the point that we're making. We're not just making this stuff up. It's tethered to the, to the truths of Scripture. Psalm 96. You'll notice as you arrive in Psalm 96 and start to scan the first few lines that there's not one, there's not two, but there are three exhortations to sing. Psalm 96, one. Oh, sing to the Lord. A, a new song. He continues, sing to the Lord. All the earth, sing to the Lord. Three times, sing, sing, sing. Why all this singing? Well, he continues and he tells us why. Verse 4, skip down just a bit. Why all this singing? For... That's the Scripture word for because. We're about to get the reason, the rationale for the truth that's just been laid down. Why all this singing? For, because, God is great. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. Do you, do you see it there? It's God's worth. It's His greatness that is part of what compels his people to praise him. Not only is it your duty to praise him, and it is indeed your duty as a command, it's also your delight. We praise him because he's, he's worthy. I'll give you one more quick example, and you could, you could flip there if you'd like, or I'll just read it to you. Psalm 145. It's one of my favorites, personally. Psalm 145. This is a song of praise of David. 
Listen now to the word of the Lord to you, the people of God. Psalm 145, beginning in verse 1, David writes, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. You can't plumb the depths of the goodness, the greatness of God, David tells us. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. Just a quick pause there. Are you doing that? Do you spend time, follower of Jesus, just meditating on who God is, His his majesty, His splendor, His good works? That's the RX for for a listless soul that needs encouragement. Get your eyes off you. Think about your Creator. Think about your Maker. Think about His grandeur, His goodness. Verse 5, he, he continues, David writes, They, the next generation, shall speak of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and here we go, shall sing aloud of your righteousness. We could spend a lot of time on, on Psalm, uh, Psalm 145, excuse me, but... Um, I want you to see here that part of what is compelling David the king to sing to the Lord. Why, why, why all this song? Why all this praise? Well, it's his greatness. Look back at verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. On a very simple level, friends, I just, I just want to remind you that the goodness of God that His glory is ample reason to give Him praise, to give Him song. We ascribe, don't we? We ascribe value to the things that we love, to the things that we delight in. All of us do this. You, you can't help it. Just, just like when we're caught up in the beauty of something. Ask any person in a romantic relationship. And he's swept up. And there's a, think of all of the songs that you hear on the radio. How many of them have to do with love? With a captivation of beauty? Why, why do we sing? Well, it's because we're compelled by the things that we value. Which is why country songs are all about trucks and your wife leaving you. Because right? that's what we value here right? in southwestern Pennsylvania. Anyway, um, but back to the Bible. Uh, great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. God's greatness compels us, or should, if we've got a spiritual pulse, to respond in worship. Oh, that we, here at Friendship Community Church, would taste and see that God is good. And friend, one of the byproducts of you tasting the goodness of God is to respond in praise. The one who made us, the one who saved us, the one who sustained us is indeed worthy of our song. Lastly, as we're asking the question, why do we sing? We see, first of all, we're commanded to do it. We see also that we're compelled to do it. Here's, here's at least a third major reason. We sing to the Lord because we were created to do it. We were created for eternal praise. 
It's probably not a surprise to you to hear that in eternity, endless time beyond constraint, one of the many things that we'll be doing, not, certainly not the only thing we'll be doing, but one of the many things that we will be doing is singing praise to God. I want to show you one of my favorite songs in the whole Bible. I actually don't know the tune to it. I haven't heard it yet, but I know I will one day. Revelation chapter 5. Got the reference down. You can, you can uh, turn there or just, or just listen, close your eyes and drink this in. This is a song captured by the Apostle John as he is given a, a window into heaven. Revelation chapter 5. We're just going to read from verses 6 to, to 13. John writes, between the throne. Now, this is the throne of God in heaven. Pretty big deal, would you agree? Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Now, who's that lamb? Jesus, the lamb of God, slain for the sins of humanity and and risen. Uh, He sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, the number of completion, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went, the lamb, and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. There's a lot going on here. Just follow me for a minute. Verse 8, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, these resplendent heavenly creatures and the 24 elders fall down before the Lamb, each holding a harp. That's an instrument, right? Just checking. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And listen now, they sang to the Lord a new song. Saying, here's the song. Worthy. Know what we're talking about? The worthiness of God compels us to see. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, Jesus, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. And then John writes, then I looked and I heard around the throne. They're singing this song, a new song to the Lamb. I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Let me submit to you. You don't have a compartment in your brain for how big that is. Myriads of myriads. Thousands of thousands of angels saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and i heard every creature who's included in every creature well i hope you are every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea 
and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne. They join in this chorus in this throng of praise to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. I can't wait to hear that song. I can't wait to learn that song. Believer, you were made for this. You were made eternally to praise the goodness and the glory of your Maker, your Savior, your Redeemer. Now, quick disclaimer as we're going to spend some time talking about singing and and, and music. You'll, You'll notice that We'll be using the word song or the verb singing or, or, or the category music quite a bit. We're resisting the urge to call this music, this singing, worship. It's not because singing is not worship, quite the contrary. Our praise to the Lord absolutely is worship unto Him. But one of the things we're trying to do as a church is to be careful not to conflate, not to equate singing or music with worship. We've, we've kind of done that in a way in our society today, haven't we? When you ask, hey, how is the worship at church? What do you mean? How is the music? How was, the, how was the singing? Well, hopefully, the rest of what you did while you were at church was also worship. Your submission to the Word of God. Your fellowship with the body. Your giving unto Him. We want everything we do here to be purposeful, to be, to be worshipful. I like what, uh, what the singer and songwriter, man, this, this guy's a musician, but what he had to say about this, this distinction, how, how worship is so much bigger than singing, although it certainly includes it, he says, his, his name's Matt Boswell, he writes some great songs. We've, I think we've sung some of his stuff already. We'll continue to do it. Matt Boswell writes, worship is too heavy a doctrine for singing to carry. It's just so much bigger. Worship is so much more broad than merely music. And so we want to resist the urge, not because we're sticklers, not because we geek out on like right words. Okay, I do a little bit. You know me. I, I do a little bit. right? But we're, we're not trying to be word nerds here. What we're trying to do is just be faithful in calling things what the Bible describes them as. Okay? Which is why Ruth Ann... We're so thankful for her leadership, by the way. Why Ruth Ann, as she's coming on board, is our music director, not our worship leader. Jesus is our worship leader. That's too big of a role for her or for me. Music, that's what we're talking about. And God's Word has a lot to say about the topic. Okay, so, so we've talked about today. Hopefully, I know this is very broad, but we've painted a sketch for why this thing is such a big deal. And why it's worthy of our consideration biblically. As God's people, we are commanded to worship Him. We are compelled to worship Him because of His glory and His goodness, His worth. He's worthy of it. And also, as the people of God, we are created for worship. Eternally, you're going to be praising Him 
Let's start now. So, as we turn in our message, I hope we do this every time we look into God's Word, whether corporately or individually, to think about not only what, what things do I need to believe about this, but how ought I to walk these truths out? In the language of James, how do I be not just a hearer of this, but a doer? How are we going to apply, FCC, these truths about the priority of praise when it comes to the Lord? Here's, here's one way. I'm going to share three quick practical ways for us to, to apply, to walk this out as a congregation together. Here's the first way. Friend, model this. Model for those behind you, the importance of singing, regardless of how good you are at it. We were joking before the service. Sam Jones was trying so hard to get me up on stage with the rest of the choir. Uh, that's a surefire way to just clear the room, right? I, God has not given me that gift. But God, for all of the reasons that we've talked about, has charged me with the beautiful charge to sing His glory and praises regardless of what it sounds like to your ears or anyone else's. Which is why, not because I have a power trip, but it's why most weeks I sit right here. And I try to sing my heart out for Jesus. Sometimes you see me raising my hands. We're going to talk about that. Is that right? Is, is it right for me to raise my hands? This is another conversation for another day. What am I doing? I am modeling, I hope, imperfectly, but sincerely, that this is a big deal. There's nothing more important than we can be doing right now than leaning into God and singing His worth and His praise. Parents, model this. Grandparents, any of us, whether or not you got kids or a family in, in tow, recognize that there are people watching you. And part of us handing off the baton effectively to the next generation means that we have discipled them well in every area of life and faith. And friends, this is a big one. Let's be people who model the priority of singing the praise of God. You say, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's enough for you to do that as a pastor, Zeb. I, I don't really got kids in the home. Maybe it's, I don't know how, how important it is for me to bother all this. Listen, God himself does this. Zephaniah 3, 17. Some of you love this passage. Zephaniah 3, the, the prophet writes, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save you. Aren't you glad? He's Savior, Zephaniah writes. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You know, God Himself sings. And He sings about you. He sings over you, His people. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, perfection embodied the word of god made flesh when he was walking the earth saying it's, it's this little aside this is beautiful matthew 26 i've got it up on the screen for you matthew 26 30 after jesus in institutes 
the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. He's about to go to the cross, friends, and he picks up a, a piece of bread and he gives thanks and he breaks it. And he says, this is me. This is what I'm about to do. And he pours out the wine. And he says, drink this. It's my blood. This act, instituting the Lord's Supper, and then he heads out from that room to the garden. In a few hours, Jesus is going to be hanging on a cross. And what's Jesus do after he breaks the bread and gives the wine? He walks out to the Garden of Gethsemane and we read in the Gospel of Matthew 26, 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What's my point? My point is, a few hours before Jesus was hanging on a tree to atone for your sin and mine. He knew it. He knew what he was doing. What was he doing? He was singing. He was singing a hymn to the Lord. Friends, if the Lord commands you to sing, and if he himself models it, don't you think we should follow suit? Model this to your family to your friends, to, to those in the congregation. What we do is a very big deal, which is why, regardless of how good you think you are at it, we want you to sing loudly here. You don't sing commensurate with your giftedness. You sing commensurate with the worthiness of your king. Now, some of you here are, are thinking through this biblically, theoretically, and you can say, okay, I see the case for why singing is a very good deal. But what about the practice? Let me, let me give you a very practical reason to sing. Or a charge to do it. A very practical charge and reason to sing. I would love us, as a community of Jesus followers to see and to use music as a way of teaching, as a way of meditation, as a way of memory. Important things. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If that, if that was awkward, sorry. If that was worded awkwardly. What I'm trying to tell you is the act of singing is didactic. It's a teaching word. Singing is at its core a learning, a teaching exercise. Why do we teach our kids the ABCs to music? Because you can't undo it. It's like stuck forever. There's some, God has wired us in such a way through song, through meter and melody to remember for things to shape our minds. Friends, isn't that true? Singing has a way of shaping our thinking. It, it's a means of us as the church teaching through song truths about God, truths about life. It's a means of discipleship. So what I'm trying to say is be strategic about what you're listening to. I love this quote. We're almost done. Let me just give you this, give you this little nugget to chew on. This is, we think, by the Scottish theologian Andrew Fletcher. We're giving him credit. Although there's some debate as to whether, whether Plato said this or something like it. Anyway, Andrew Fletcher said it later. Fletcher writes, 
Let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Think about that. Give me their music, Fletcher says, and I've got their souls. More important than policies or government is the songs that a nation sings. So Keith Getty, again, in his helpful book, Sing, writes, the lyrics of the songs we sing find their way into shaping our priorities, our behavior, and our loves. Listen, this is not a pity party on my part. I'm I'm just being a realist. I am well aware that many of you may probably don't leave here on Sunday morning trying to recite points of my sermon throughout the week, okay? I've come to grips with that, right? You're you're probably not trying to memorize points from my sermons week in and week out. But what you may be doing is humming the tunes to songs that you have heard about the Lord, whether here at church or on the radio, as, as you work, as you go through life, friend, like it or lump it, the songs that we sing stick with us so what so then we should be very 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 concerned about what we're singing that we are singing truth because what we say and sing in here is going to find its way into your functional theology would you listen and sing on the radio Caleb or whatever, it makes its way into your grid about who God is and how He operates. Friends, we need to be very concerned with singing truth and singing it well. So, so be strategic and, and be, be picky. We'll talk more about that next week. Last thing. Last thing I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with. And then we're just going to do it. We're just going to sing after all this. At the risk of sounding underwhelming, I think some of us need to hear this. Friend, let's, let's find the time to insert singing into our schedule. If this truly is a command from God to His people, if it's something we're compelled to do by His goodness, if it's something we're going to spend eternity doing, if it's that big of a deal, then then do a quick inventory of your life and ask yourself the question, am I doing this well? Am I doing this faithfully? Do I take time? I'm not going to get in the nitty gritty. Only you can answer this question, not me. But, but do I take sufficient time to do this? To be obedient? To respond to God's goodness faithfully? One of the times I do it most is in the car. I've just got a playlist and I just, I'll just sync it up through my car stereo, and, and there I go. Sometimes I'll leave time after my devotions. You know, your, your time alone with the Lord doesn't only have to look like reading. You can even pray during that time. Imagine that. And, you know, you can sing to the Lord as part of your time with Him. Downtime, anytime. Just ask yourself the question, have I inserted this, am I being faithful in this way into my schedule? And here's one way uh, we, we want to help you do that. Uh, Bob, do we have the website up to show uh, available? I think we're getting it. There we go. 
This is our uh, website. Thank you, Benjamin, for, for helping update things. FCCWashPA.org. When you go there and when you scroll down from our church website, you will see, I hope, Okay, keep going, scripture, prayer, uh, I feel like I've heard that stuff before. Here we go. Uh, so, some important points of emphasis that Benjamin mentioned. We'll talk much more about missions in the days to come. But here's a little link that you can go to, music, singing, and playlists. You can go ahead and click on that. Thank you. And now, now hold, hold tight with us. This is just the very, very beginning. But we've got some information, and we're beginning to build a list of helpful resources for you here. So if you scroll down... Uh, here a little bit. What you can see, I hope, is, there we go, uh, a couple ways to access some playlists, uh, at least one for, uh, for adults. And again, we're, we're just getting started, right? Uh, hopefully, this will be much more robust and diverse in the days to come. But, but playlists of music, which we believe are biblical, faithful songs that we here at Friendship Community Church want to be singing regularly, singing well. Uh, if you click on the, uh, the YouTube music, you can go ahead one more time. Uh, and you'll see not only do we have just a singing list in general for anyone for adults, uh, if it's able to load for us here, we also have a specific link uh, for children. Uh, and again, the Gettys who have been so very helpful. Just one, one style, one type of music. Uh, you can click on that FCC Children's Playlist just on your own, and what you'll see there is 80-some songs uh, just for kids. And you're basically just singing scripture here. It's beautiful stuff. Uh, so so th- we by no means are saying this is all our music and, and you better listen to this and only this. All we're saying is we just want to give you some helpful resources, church, to obey the Lord well, to sing and to praise him because he is worthy of our praise. Well, we, we've, uh, we've been spending a lot of time talking about singing. So let's just end our time together simply by doing what we have heard is so important. So I'm going to invite Ruth Ann up. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a couple, couple songs here to close before our benediction. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, you are good. You are, as we have heard today, great and greatly to be praised. Your greatness is unsearchable. We pray now that we as your people would faithfully respond to your goodness with obedience Lord, with with singing and praise because you're worthy of it. Lord, and we pray that we would pass the baton well, that we would model this uh, because you do it, Father. And we want to be like you. We want to grow up into your image and likeness, Jesus, in every way. And so help us to be faithful in this area of our faith and life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing here as we close.